This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait You've Never Seen, a podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. And today we're discussing, wait, you've never seen Aaron Brockovich? I really don't know why. Me either. But before we get to that, so we have some trigger warnings. There are some bugs, especially, well, specifically roaches, which are gross and scary. Mm. Um, Not your favorite. No. Um, Lots of people, including kids, get cancer, which is very disturbing. Yeah. And sad. So, having gotten that out of the way, yes. what were three things you expected from Aaron Brockovich, the motion picture? I'm just, I'm just looking at this going, <laughs> this is silly. Okay, uh, number one, <laughs> I don't know, I, th- I guess I thought this would be a darker movie than it is. I, d- I honestly didn't expect it to turn out the way it did. Uh-huh. So anyway, n- number one... No one listens to the whistleblowing woman until it's too late. <laughs> uh, two, bad fashion choices. Wow. It's sort of set in, like, what, 1993 these things happen? Yeah, the 90s. Early 90s. The movie came out in 2000. Yeah, but it was sort of about... It's one of those... We- <laughs> I mean, they don't really, like, go out of their way to say exactly what year it is. Mm-hmm. But... In a way, it almost reminds me of, like, in The Big Lebowski, it's set in 1991, but the movie came out in 1997. That's weird. And they're like, yeah, we were having problems with Saddam. Well, I guess it's not any weirder than, like, if you have a World War II movie come out in, like, 1951 or something. That's true. The war ends in 45. So, number two. Oh, wait, I already said bad fashion choice. Number three. Julie Roberts' boobs will be very prominent. <laughs> Check. I think I got that, yeah. So let me tell you what IMDb had to say. Wait, I didn't give you my... Oh, right. My summary. Sorry. What, wait, so did you expect to like it? Oh, um, I gave it 3.5. Okay. I, I, I wasn't sure if I'd like it, you know, really like it. Um... I like seeing justice served and individuals standing up to bullies, corporate bullies in particular. Right. I like the, you know, well, they even use the analogy in the in the movie, the David and Goliath kind of situation, the underdog, the, right. you know, the little person, the little group of people being able to defeat the big... But I honestly was, again, I wasn't sure... I I had no idea what the story was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the real human being, Aaron Brockovich. So I'm like, okay, this could either be a real bummer, and I'm gonna hate it, or I'm gonna like it. Okay. So what um what was your one sentence TV guide summary? Single mother of three, Aaron Brockovich accidentally learns that the company she's working for as a secretary. 
at the Ford Motor Company is hiding <laughs> is hiding the fact that the Pinto tends to blow up in small <laughs> car accidents. Oh man! All I knew is that, that it was a whistle blowing yes. thing. So I'm like, okay, let me pick a, a, a time in history where <laughs> people were blowing whistles. That makes sense. Or where there was a, a whistle to blow. Not that that really happened in the case of the Pinto. <laughs> so, what does IMDb say? So, the movie is Aaron Brockovich from 2000. It's rated R. It's 2 hours and 11 minutes a biography drama. And it says, An unemployed single mother becomes a legal assistant and almost single-handedly brings down a California power company accused of polluting a city city's water supply. So you had it there at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I was very proud of myself that I guessed three. <laughs> I guessed three kids. The poster. Yeah, she did have three kids. The poster you showed me, she's holding one kid. Right. But I'm like, you know what? I bet there's more. <laughs> That's what I thought. So, how did things meet or not meet? Your expectations. Let me say right here. Five stars. High five for five stars. Yes. I'm glad you liked it. It was great. It was funny. It was satisfying. It was very compelling. Like I said, I didn't didn't know where it was going. And I kept waiting for something bad to happen. I kept waiting for that boss to like, you know, sexually harass her or like go, yeah, you don't know anything and I'm going to take all the, you know. Oh, Albert Finney's character? Right. Uh-huh. I, I I don't know why. Like, I, well, because he, he kind of comes off as just like, a, you know, he seems like he could be kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> he just gives off his vibe that like, anyway. Well, he comments on her, on her clothing because remember when they. But it's more like, it, go ahead. When um when she's in the office and he says, where's everybody else? And, oh, they went, the girls went out to lunch. And he's like, well, you're one of the girls. Right. Well, not the right kind of girl. Yeah. And then he's like, well, maybe if you dressed more. And she's like, I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that at all. Which is funny because, like, sometimes employers do have an idea of what you might, might be appropriate for the workplace. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes... Um, right, but it was, I think it was more about, like, hey, this is a, this is my law firm. Right. Maybe dress like it's a law firm. (laughs) As opposed to, you know. (laughs) Joe's Crab Shack. No, but I don't, I don't think he was, I don't think he was doing anything sort of. I don't think he's being inappropriate talking about her clothes because it's like, well, I can see all your boobs are all hanging out. He's not like, yeah, he's not being inappropriate. I don't think. I see what you're saying. I think it's appropriate for an employer to say, hey, to make comments like that about their employees' clothes. Um, So one more thing, I was I was sort of dreading and assuming at one point during the watching uh, while we were watching this movie I was afraid there'd be a long drawn out court scene Mm -hmm. court scenes in movies are problematic because if they're interesting then I know they're not realistic right like you can't have like like slamming down on the that little gate thing that like separates the like you can't um, 
when you have your character right up in the face of the witness being, you yeah. know, questioned, Never that's gonna happen. not appropriate. The judge would kick you right up. You'd probably, you'd probably be in jail yourself if you did that. Right. So if it's done, and if it's done right, I don't want to see that either because that's boring. Right. You know, there's just that real quick, like, judgment sort of, um, there's some sort of tertiary thing that's in the courtroom. And that's somewhere in the middle of the movie. Yes, it was... Um, or beginning of the third act, maybe. Let me see. So, the real judge, Judge Leroy A. Simmons, came out of retirement to appear in the movie. That was really him? That was really him. Wow. He officiated at the pleading and discovery for Hinckley versus PG&E and came out of retirement to repeat his decision... So that was his actual decision. Wow. This time in front of actors and cameras. So he really did have that personal... Uh, hey, on a personal note, like, this is the water I'm drinking. Right. Wow. I have some I have some fun facts about Aaron Brockovich, but that can wait until you have said your things about Aaron Brockovich. Okay. So this Aaron Brockovich is looking for a job in the beginning of the movie. Right, yes. So, and she can't find one. Why? But I'm looking at Julia Roberts. I'm like, why doesn't she model or act? <laughs> like, or even dance at a strip club. She's gorgeous. Uh-huh. Like, what are we talking about here? But okay, you know, she's made her choices. Okay, she has, <laughs> this sort of goes hand in hand with that, her not having a job. If she has $74 in her bank account, and at another point she says it's $16, she certainly has, for some reason, perfectly fitted clothes. Before she has any money, she has just, you know, they're kind of over-the-top clothes, but they're, like, perfectly tailored. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like, those are the sorts of clothes. It's not I'm like, like they're oh, hang- she has a closet. <laughs> right, but they appear to be brand new clothes. Oh, I see what you're saying. That are perfectly fit for her, and they so don't not look, off the rack. Well, they don't look like they've been. They don't look old. They're not like it doesn't look like those <laughs> those dresses and low cut tops were washed a thousand times. That's true. She doesn't look like someone who's a struggling mother of three, although she was. I like the part where, um, where Albert Finney's character. The lawyer, the Ed, head lawyer, Ed. Ed Mas- Massey? Masery. 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 There it is, um, Ed Masery. Where he's like, what makes you think you can just go into the waterboard and get whatever paperwork we need? And she's like, <laughs> they're called boobs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. She really, there is like a femme fatale aspect to her, char- her character. <laughs> like... She she sort of gets in there, you know. She uses her sexuality to to get the things she needs. Right. If people are going to objectify her, she's going to use that to her advantage anyway. Right. Know? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so, can I talk real briefly about the um, they use they use light in this movie to uh, to paint a picture? Oh yes, I didn't notice that. Do you tell. So in the conference room meeting with Mazari, Aaron, they met across the table from the PG&E lawyer. Uh-huh. So the good people, Mazari and Aaron, they had the sun 
at their backs. Oh, I didn't notice that. Behind them, it was like this bright light. And the lawyers, the the PG&E lawyers, were all like in the shadows. Mm. You're very perceptive. I did not notice that at all. So it's like, they're like, yeah, like we can tell like who the bad guys are because they're lurking in the shadows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. I can't watch things like a normal, like a normal human being. I'm constantly looking at things like, things like that. Did you notice any any other things like that, or just that particular scene? Um, that's the only one I wrote down. Oh, okay. Oh, do you have things to? You have yes. fun facts about this movie. So the real Aaron Brockovich wanted Goldie Hawn to play her, and. She was actually um, always uncomfortable with the question, but she said, oh, no. With the question. Um, with the question of, who do you want to play you? Okay. Um, and Ed said, all kidding aside, I don't care who it is as long as it's not Julia Roberts. She has no tits and no foul mouth, so it wouldn't work. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, she's, he's wrong on both counts. Unless, did they do something to make it look like Julia Roberts is more... She had, I I didn't point this out to you at the time. Okay. But she she very clearly had, like, contouring to make her boobs look oh, like, bigger than they actually were. Like with makeup? Yes. Really? Yeah. That's funny. At least it seemed that way to me. Hmm. I don't know anything about that. Well, there... Uh, <laughs> So you probably don't know about, you must have heard things like there's bras that have like little pockets in them and there's like these little chicken cutlet shaped, you know, like uh, jelly things. Oh. You can slide into bras to make it look like there's more there. Like a push-up bra. Falsies. Well, yeah, but push-up bras don't actually have like meaty jelly, like, you know, things to make your boobs look bigger. I see. The old school name for it is falsies. Gotcha. (laughs) Now, do you remember when um, Julia Roberts, as Aaron, took the three kids out to the diner? Yes. And, like, the little girl ordered, like, a cheeseburger with no meat and no cheese or something. (laughs) Um, The waitress was the real Aaron Brockovich. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, I looked her up later, after the movie, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go, oh yeah, that's the waitress. Yeah, well you see her for like 30 seconds, if that. Yeah, yeah. I thought you might appreciate this as a Mm. lefty. Okay. Roberts, Julia Roberts had to learn to write right-handed. That must be tough. I mean. I bet. There's fake writing. You know? Yeah, I wonder if she was just because, like, Cause well, like, see, I, I would want to go the wrong way if I was writing with my left hand. Yeah, uh. it would. Yeah, it's it would be hard to write that way. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. So here's something interesting. So, Universal was concerned about Brockovich's language. They were worried that audience members would be offended but really they enjoyed themselves they did get one complaint though 
Um, oh, really? What was the complaint? Where he said, the person, the audience member said, the first 99 times I saw Julia Roberts' breasts were enough. <laughs> wait, wait, a man's complaining that he's seeing boobs too much? Well, maybe he was a gay man, or maybe he maybe just, she's not maybe he's boobs. a butt man. Who knows? Well, However, when Julia Roberts sent her then-boyfriend, Benjamin Bratt, pictures of her new decolletage okay he responded you can't go out like that <laughs> listen mr brat that's funny i wear what i want when i want mm. that's why he's then boyfriend and not now boyfriend mm. i assume i'm sure there were a lot of other issues so you know what they say you see one picture of julia roberts boobs you pretty much want to see all of the pictures of her boobs. I mean, she is an attractive woman. That's my feeling about it. Hmm. <laughs> um, so the movie itself, according to Aaron Brockovich, is probably 98 to 99% accurate. The woman that she goes to see, like the woman that kicks off the movie, where she's like the first person... Um, in Hinkley that, that Aaron goes to visit. Yes. The one that's having all that... Well, they're all having health problems. Where she first learns about the... The, um... God, what's the chemical? Why would uh, I start saying it if I wasn't sure? Hexavalent chromium. Chromium. Six. Chromium hex, three is the good one, is the okay one. And six is the bad one. Yeah. Um, she actually represented, like, a... She wasn't a real person. She represented, like... Here's a generic representation of the town that we're going to focus on this one person. Yeah, But I mean, not that, an actual citizen of that. She was fictional based on real people. Right. And that's one of those things like where that happens all the time. I, th I think that's an acceptable thing to do to sort of conflate, to sort of like, you know, here's a representation of everyone. We, we can't meet everyone right in the town because we don't want a 16 hour movie <laughs> i mean they ended up with like something like 600 or 700 plaintiffs i mean there's right. no way we were gonna get screen time with every one of them so yeah and i think i always assume in movies um that i'm that i'm sh seeing a representation even in, even when it's a not that this is a biopic, but when I'm seeing a representation of someone's life, even, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm seeing symbols of the things and people in that life. I'm not really... If you put a camera on stuff, you wouldn't see exactly what you saw in the movie, you know? I'll, I'm mm -hmm. always assuming that I'm seeing a representation of it, not in... A, you know, a one-for-one, one, shot for shot remake of the person's life, you know? Yeah. Um, in real life, George, um, Aaron... The boyfriend. Yes. Was Aaron Eckhart. Oh. Um, not Aaron Brockovich. I'm like, that's confusing. It is confusing. A-A. <laughs> yes. <Aaron. laughs> so, Jorge Hallaby, who was the basis for George, George is the anglicized version of Jorge... For yes. our non-Spanish speaking listeners. See. Um, so 
That guy and Brockovich's first husband, Sean Brown, attempted to extort $310,000 from Brockovich with a claim she had an affair with Ed. Their lawyer, so George's and Sean Brown's, was found guilty of extortion himself and was later disbarred. Ooh, nice. So those are just a few fun and interesting facts about Aaron Brockovich, the movie, the motion picture. Something that we both commented on while we were watching, because as our listeners know, we watch with the captions on pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. They were talk about PG and E. P G and E. So frustrating. (laughs) But the captions every time, every Every time, time. just said P G, and I think it was because they were saying it so fast. P G and E. And G has an E already. Right. But it was it was it took it took you out of the moment if you're reading like P G oh P G and E. Even though it happened every time. It's it's a typo in your movie. Yes. Basically. <laughs> basically. I mean, since they play such a crucial role, you and would they have think... to say it a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I hated those lawyers. God, they were bad. There's... So how did you feel when Ed handed the PG&E case over to Peter Coyote and company? Yeah. I don't remember what, what Peter Coyote character name was so yeah i thought okay here's where aaron gets robbed of the credit of the even the satisfaction of being able to to have justice served and this is where it's gonna like take i again i I don't know why i was (laughs) maybe i was in a weird space when we were watching this but I kept waiting for something terrible to happen to to Aaron Brockovich. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't think it would go well. And uh, I, I think it's it it's interesting, too, the way they the way they showed how um, there's certainly some this movie kind of shows the lack of compassion of lawyers (laughs) like Mm -hmm. the life of Erin Brockovich the fact that she never went to law school didn't know a lot about law at all just went in there and her heart just went out to these people and she really wanted to um, she really wanted to see justice served but more so she just her heart went out to these people and she loved them and she knew mm. everything about them and knew what 700 phone numbers by heart right and all of their diseases and health problems and everything there's a human element that is lost in the law profession i think that's what this you know the, her story shows you know above everything else i was i was i was thinking we were just watching a you know, a whistleblower story, but it's a story about how l- law needs people who are, know how to deal with human beings. Well, and we sort of saw that comparison in the movie when um, the well-dressed, uptight female lawyer goes um, goes out to meet with a couple of the people, yeah, and they're just she's like in her high heels and like this mud and all of this stuff like (laughs) you have to not not that 
I'm not condescending towards people who aren't lawyers, but you have to be on those people's level. If they're farm people and they're going to be out and about while you're talking to them, you need boots or tennis shoes or comfortable clothes. Like you have to be able, like you're saying, to recognize what those people, um, what they need and how to meet their needs in a way that they feel comfortable in communicating with you. Because that's, I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like that's a lawyer's job is to facilitate communication in order to um, analyze the legal aspect of it. Yeah. We're in agreement, I think. We are. Um, let's see what else we have. Oh, I, I wrote down Peter Coyote because I sat there for about five minutes listening to him talk, and I was like, why does his voice sound familiar? I don't recognize him, but that voice, I know it. He is like the narrator. I mean, he's not like. He is the narrator for just about every Ken Burns documentary there is. So I'm I'm listening to him thinking, why am I not seeing a Ken Burns documentary right now? <laughs> You want to hear him say, the first battle of Bull Run. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Here's a letter from a soldier. My dearest Edwina. (laughs) I miss you so dearly. I won't go on with my fake letter. You say that, but... Look, keep pushing me. See what happens. (laughs) (laughs) See what happens. So, do you think it passes the Bechdel test or not? I'm going to say that it does, and it passes with that first woman, because they're talking about the water. I mean, they, they talk about it an awful lot. I'm going to say it passes. It does pass. Yeah. Um, she does talk to that lady about the water, about her health problems, and that yeah. kind of thing. The first lady, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, she also talks to um, Anna in the office, um, in the office where she works, not the office, the TV show, since that's your favorite. I wanted to, to clarify that. Um, where it's like... She talks to Phyllis and Pam <laughs> in the office. Yes, go on. So she talks to Anna in the office when Anna's showing her around and like, you'll get a copier code and this is where you'll sit. And she's like, oh, can I pick my own copier code? And Anna's like, we'll see, probably not. <laughs> Oh, right. I see. So they weren't talking about Ed or any of the other, like, associate law people. Right. They were just talking about, like, her copier code. And there are a few other, like, because there are quite a few women working in the in Ed's office. Yeah. Um, Maisry and Vitito, I think it was. So there's, like, the, mm. there's the main receptionist person. Yes. That, like, gave candy to Aaron's little girl. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there's Anna, and there's that, uh, what is her name from The Practice? I never watched The Practice. Um, Ed's, like, assistant that sits right out, outside his office okay, that yeah. her and Aaron were butting heads. Right. So, and then, of course, there's a lot of women in um, Hinkley. So she does... Right talk to a lot of women I didn't write down every interaction but it, it it passes pretty well I think excellent so for disability portrayal um I mean cancer is pretty disabling mm-hmm. and a lot of their health health problems were pretty disabling we didn't see a lot of the effects of that on screen 
that little girl with cancer was heartbreaking. It was. She was all curled up between her parents. Um, That's sad. But I think we saw more of it from the how can we seek justice for what this company has done to these people more than how do these people who have debilitating health concerns now, how do they cope with their everyday lives? We didn't really see a whole lot of that because that's not what the movie's about. You know, right. it's about Aaron trying to find justice for them. Um, so the disability portrayal was sort of secondary to that, which I don't know. I'm kind of okay with in a movie like this because, well, mainly because she did get justice for them to some degree. That wasn't a hundred percent how it played out, but yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I mean, again, you have to sort of pick the story you're telling. I'm, I'm assuming a lot. Like when you, when you just list off everyone, the, the big long list of everyone's um, conditions and disease, um, it's implied. Yeah, life is hard for these people. If if you were somehow to you're telling a different kind of story if you if you focus on the effects of how all of those conditions affect someone. Yeah. It, and I just remember this was probably one of the more heartbreaking parts of it too was when um, that first woman, Mark Helgenberg's character, right? Um, I can't remember if she had breast cancer first or uterine cancer first, but she found out she had the other one. So, like, she, if she had breast cancer first, she found out she had uterine cancer. Yeah. And if she had uterine cancer, she found out she had breast cancer. Right. And she asked Aaron, if you don't have any boobs or any uterus, are you still a woman? Yeah. And so I can see, like, that... I think that was kind of a good representation of struggling with... Or coming to grips with what's happening and still being yourself. Mm-hmm. And Aaron tries to comfort her by like, of course you are. You just don't have to worry about underwire and maxi pads, you know, which is, I mean, that was kind of her way, I guess. Yeah. And it did seem to help uh, that woman. Yeah. And I think that only someone so bold and, you know, it would take a certain person, not just a, not just someone who's female, it's, it would take someone very particular to, like, pull off essentially a cancer joke. Right. In a situation where, you know, she's supposed to be helping her. Right. <laughs> like, that's a, that's, a, that's a real risk. Yeah. I wish I was half as assertive as Aaron Brockovich. Or Wonder Woman, for that matter. <laughs> like... They're pretty awesome, and I'm just, I'm so non-confrontational. I wish I could be like them and just be like, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, adios. I'll beat that I'm up. getting in my <laughs> invisible jet. <laughs> Peace out. And I'm going to fight the water company. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so are there any pop culture references you now understand? Um, well... I remember this movie being a big, being a sort of a big deal when it came out. Like, like, oh, cause, cause Julia Roberts is gonna be a bad girl in this movie, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm just like, 
I remember seeing the trailer and going, uh huh. I. Were you just staring at her boobs the what, whole time? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite. Anyway, I understand now. Like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. like this is a crass <laughs> sort of a crass woman who uses her boob, uh, her boobs to get information. <laughs> got it. I mean, if you got it, flaunt it. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Do you have anything else? How hard is it to just like put a plastic lining underneath your your I mean really ponds of runoff or whatever those things were like millions and millions of dollars they have to spend and they're ruining people's like killing people you're killing people mm-hmm. by not putting a few sheets of plastic down <laughs> or whatever and obviously it's more involved than that but I don't I believe I'm going to take I'm going to take a risk and just say that, the, that a couple of baby swimming pools do not cost half a million. No, it was half a billion. Half a billion dollars. Yep. They ended up spending. And baby pools don't kill people. I mean, well, they can. I mean. But you know what I mean. Corporate greed is a monster. And I would bet that they thought they could just get away with quietly killing people. Well. And never get caught and therefore have to spend zero dollars. They bet and they lost. If I can dovetail at the end here back to the Pinto, which I thought this movie was going to be about. <laughs> there's evidence. I'm not sure how true this was. But evidently, uh, executives were told they knew the Pinto is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And they could already see that it was selling well. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you know what? This car is going to make so much money that it would cover the cost of us getting sued over exploding gas tanks. That's just, how do people, how do people, how? How? Yeah, yeah. How can you sleep at night being like, well, it's I made money, so it's okay that that, you know, 16-year-old kid who just got a Pinto as their first car. That's sad. I mean... What it, they're nothing, or like that, like that lawyer is like, let's be honest, twenty million dollars is more than these people have ever dreamed of. Yeah, like no, that's not what this is about. Like, I want to be able to drive my car to work, to the pharmacy, to the grocery store, and not have to worry about dying in a fireball. I don't think that's too much to ask. No, or actually dying in a fireball. Not just worrying about it, but actually dying. Actually dying in a fireball. I, I always worry about dying in a fireball <laughs> whenever I'm in a car, regardless of the safety of the car. <laughs> That's just disgusting, and I just want to know how those corporate executives sleep at night making those kinds of decisions. And if they're really that evil, then something, some things that I don't want to say, that I can't say, that probably will get me in trouble. Well, that's a but good But screw st- those guys. Mostly yeah. guys. Some women. It's true. All right, this is a good place to stop, I think. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry to be a downer there at the end. But God, <laughs> oh, it's, like, it's okay. I'm with you. Corporations should not be able to kill people, period, the end. Okay. Agreed. <laughs> so, you can find us on a bunch of platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotato.com. You can find a lot of other great shows there, so check that out. 
And as for us, just go to weightyouvneverseen.com to find links, social media, and contact information. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time we'll be joined by a special guest, Sean of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. To watch Labyrinth! I'm just... Labyrinth? We're really going to watch Labyrinth? We're really going to watch Labyrinth. I'm so excited. I love Labyrinth. Me too. So Sean's the one who hasn't seen it. Oh, I'm like, you're not supposed to tell me that you'd like it yet. (laughs) I love Labyrinth. Anyway. Yay. I'm surprised Sean hasn't seen it. I know. That's why he's going to be on. Because I... Wait. He's never... I can't believe it. I can't believe... Thanks for listening.